Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Something's always going to go wrong, but. Yeah, you worry and you're thinking, shit. Yes. Ten years ago, you needed to be everywhere. I found you unbelievably interesting and your brand is just awesome. There was no business plan. So I'd go to work for like an hour and then I'd come home, pretend I was working. Then I started getting audited. You didn't do any work. You're going to get fired tomorrow. The 166k, that's a hell of a brand to build. Yeah, see, I, I I don't think it is. I think it's not good enough. 4,000 at yeah. the last event. What are you looking at for this next one? We're expecting 30,000. I've heard comments in the car world, which is, oh, well, George's only ever interested in the money. It was our best year and our worst year. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew the morning after, the Monday morning, when I'm on social media, seeing things kicking off. We were massively let down by the venue. Nobody kind of knows about that yet, but that's why it's easy to forget. Right, so Jordan Clark, we actually Yo. met recently. Again, some people that have listened to a few episodes will be thinking, another one from Zach's Garage Rally that I bumped into because I've actually done Ross okay, um, and Derek as well. They were really good episodes. Cool. But we met recently on Zach's Garage Rally. We, we went did. across Europe and actually for basically what you do, you're actually probably looking into the show that we went to go and see when we yep. were over there. So it was more of interest to you. I was like, wow, this is all new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found you unbelievably interesting and your brand is just okay. awesome. And finding people that end up doing what they love as well is quite rare and uh-huh. something that they're really enthralled by. So I guess, Jordan, in your own words, who are you and what do you do? So I'm George. Obviously, as you just said, I run Slam UK, which is our sort of mother brand and Gravity Show which is our main event. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, Slam GK and Gravity. And it's safe to say this is provided, at the minute, a fairly pretty cool lifestyle that you're able to travel with the guys. I mean, part just outside the podcast van is your now slammed Lamborghini Hurricane Yellow. Looks fucking insane. Thank you very much. Um, and you've got an R8 that's slammed as well. Yep. X5M? X3M. X3M, that's part, that was uh, up my arse on a lot of the trip yeah. on Zach's yeah, with quick. your other Beth at the wheel. That was absolutely mad. Yeah. So, obviously, it's not and been got easy. skyline as well. Can't forget the skyline. Oh, my God, yeah. Forgot about that. But that's being built, so nobody kind of knows about that yet, but that's why it's easy to forget. <laughs> and especially with everything else going on yeah. as well. So, what is it currently this year? What does your business look like? So what is it that you're currently doing? Obviously, you've got Slammed and Gravity. Do you want to explain a little bit about what they are? Yeah, so Slammed UK is the initial brand that we started back in 2013. So 10 years, so our 10th anniversary this year. Um, so that was primarily a hobby and selling stickers, uh, clothing, automotive lifestyle brand is is what we what we sort of label it as. Um, so after a few years of that, we were traveling around the whole of Europe doing about 50 to 56 events a year, just selling my stuff, selling my t-shirt, selling my jumper, selling my hoodies. I still had a full-time job. But every weekend throughout the year, I was somewhere. So I was either Belgium, France, Germany, Netherlands, um, literally anywhere, all around the UK, 
Ireland. We we went everywhere. And that was all point of sale, all trying to get sales directly at events. That was all, than- yeah. I had a company car cash car at the time. So it was big gazebo in the cash car, squeeze as many boxes in as we can and go wherever we could to try and sell it, promote the brand. The whole idea behind that was to get the brand in everybody's faces as much as possible, as well as the social media and stuff. But this was 10 years ago, so it was more a physical, you needed to be everywhere. And so, how old were you then? I was 10 years ago, so I was 21. So just for, for, to make sure everybody's caught up, 21 years old and you're traveling around to all these different car shows around the UK, some in Europe as well, yep. and you're selling basically merch. Yeah, so merch. T-shirts, yep. uh, stickers, anything with Slammed UK on it. Yeah, anything I could brand, I would do it and sell it. So was that before the days of, say, Shopify blowing up? Yeah. Yeah, Shopify wasn't really a thing. My first website was a WooCommerce website. It was really clunky, hated using it. I didn't build it. I didn't know how. I had a web developer that built it for me. It was really expensive. So that side of things was really difficult. And it took me a while to get used to it. Um, So yeah, it was before Shopify. Yeah. So how did you get in to selling merchandise and stickers in different car shows. You can't just, it's not that easy if you don't know something and you're not involved in it. It's just think oh, I'm going to go to 50 car shows. I wouldn't even know what 50 car shows were that I could name down on paper yeah. and especially 10 years ago. So yeah. how did you get into that? Why did you get into that to then get you to that point? So it all started with the love of modifying cars. So I, fa- I first had a Mark IV Golf that I started modifying, had a Mark III Golf, a Punto, Toyota Corolla. My first car was a Daewoo Lanos, which if you don't know what a Daewoo Lanos is, Definitely Google it. In fact, for this special episode, we'll pop it on the screen. Because it's now. awful, like awful. But finance wasn't a thing. I couldn't afford anything. Uh, it took me a year to save up 700 quid to buy it. What, were you, what were you working then? Where were you working then? Uh, where was I working then? I was working at John Lewis. So just working John Lewis and... John Lewis. I was on like 15 grand a year. Love I, modified cars. Love modified cars. I'd moved out and... Yeah, so that was all I could afford. So I bought that, started messing around with that, literally like air filters. And I think I put different hubcaps on it from Halfords. Like that's, that's the level I was at. And then got the Mark IV Golf. And then, so did all of that. And then I got a Civic. So one of my cars blew up. I bought a Punto uh, for like seven grand cash. It took me years to save up. Bought it and it blew up in two days. So I bought it on the Friday. Fastest car I'd ever driven. It was so cool. I think it was like 250 brake, but to me, it was like a Lambo. It was the fastest thing ever. It was all blacked out and I loved it so much. And then bought it on the Friday and on the Sunday, the top and bottom end went in the engine and it just clunked to a stop. And then I called the AA, got recovered and he was like, yeah, your engine's gone. So obviously I was devastated. Did you get anything back from that? Nothing. Because it was all private sale, cash in hand. Guy said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So I, I guess I could have gone the ombudsman and all that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah, but yeah. I just thought, you know what? I'll cut my losses. But that didn't put you off? It didn't put me off. I thought, right, how do I get a car? My mum's mate was selling a £200 Burgundy Toyota Corolla. So I then went and bought that. So it didn't matter what car it was. You just wanted a car I had, to mess I had to have a car. I had to have a car. The Corolla I didn't really modify because it was really bad. So I had that. But then I was like, I, driving that, I was thinking, I need another modified car. What can I get? And I started looking around, shopping around, and it was a Civic EP2, so a Civic Sport. I couldn't afford the Type R, which is the EP3. Uh, it was like 1,700 quid. And then I started really modifying that. So I hadn't really done coilovers and camber arms and exhausts and that kind of stuff before. I'd kind of just done hubcaps and wheels and filters. And and, and are you, to learn how to do all of that, are you like following YouTubers? Is there like automotive culture that you follow to do that or no, you, is it, was, it just something you're doing with your mates it's something i'll do with my mates it was literally facebook groups forums instagram was barely a thing which is what there's probably tens if not hundreds of thousands of people across the uk currently in that exact basically same position yeah working a job and they're plowing everything they earn into modifying exactly their car. yeah and then i was like right so i need to modify this i need to get another car what can i get and how can i modify it so i got the civic and then I think within about a week, it was on coilovers, camber arms. But obviously, I had a full-time job that was on no money. I had a flat that I had to pay for. So I went and got a credit card, and I just whacked it all on my credit card, which I only paid off three years ago. Because I could, I'd never had the finances to be able to pay off all the credit card money that I'd accrued from modifying my car. So, But that Civic, ultimately, going back to your original question, is what started the Slam GK brand, that Civic. So. 
if you've had no, exp- so I don't know what that bit before was like, but you're saying you had no experience growing up in a business, no, nothing. nothing. So what, what was the moment that you thought I'm going to start something? I'm going to sell something, whether it be a t-shirt or a sticker. Uh-huh. What was the moment that that step occurred? So I've always been uh, a seller. I've always been interested in selling things. When I was like 14, had a little eBay business selling iPhone cases when the first iPhone came out. So I imported some from China, giant box of iPhone cases, started an eBay page, started selling them for a couple of quid. I've always been like a seller. In school, I was the guy with the big box of sweets selling all the sweets or going to buy the cigarettes. And I think that's where it starts. So I think that that is the fundamental sales guy in me. But I wasn't good in school. I did business at A-level, but I never went to any lessons, which looking back, I probably should have because it would have helped me a lot now having to just learn everything myself because I didn't actually go. Um, So yeah, I think that's where it kind of started from the sales point of view. Um, But from a business point of view, I didn't really know anything. Um, But since doing the Civic, that's when we we started doing the meets. So I built the Civic, started our first meet in Tunbridge Wells, which a lot of people will remember. I still get messages to this day saying, I remember you or coming to your first meet in Tunbridge Wells. I think it was in like a Halfords car park. So before you started selling stuff, you started car meets basically because you and yes. your mates were into it and you thought that. And I heard on um, something else that you did, you reckon 800 people turned up to one of your first yeah. ones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's so mad, we did, I did it? a first thing. I put it on like Instagram and Facebook when it was not really a big thing. And for some reason, loads of people came. Is it carnage? It was <laughs> Now, it wasn't carnage, but it was, I did look around and think, shit, how? <laughs> we did this. <laughs> why? What? Like, I didn't, I didn't get it because I must have been, yeah, 20, 21. And I was thinking like, what? No, like no insurances or any of that kind of stuff. I just thought, let's just see if a couple of mates want to come down to Halford's car park. Like a lot of people do, but loads of people came. Um, that's when I think my brain started ticking and I started thinking. Hang on, I've got all these people on. in one place. Yeah. And a lot of them. We, we had already thought of a name, Slammed UK, and then we already had made a couple stickers, produced them and stuck them on our cars. And then we started getting the questions, where can I buy that? How can I get one? That's a really cool sticker. Do you do that in purple or whatever? So that's probably what then started. Maybe I should start selling these. And then what if I do a t-shirt? What if I do a jumper? An air freshener or, or an air freshener or whatever. Um, so then we booked in our first show quite soon after that to start trading and selling. And what I find amazing about that is I have to admit, if somebody asks me, they, they come and say, I'm going to start a business selling stickers. My first response to that in all fairness, and maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic, but I go, if you're going to pick anything to sell, try and pick something that's a hundred quid plus then you've actually got a bit of gross margin to play with. Yeah. But do you think that just started because it was something to do again? You're learning about it, all the rest of it. Did you actually yeah. make any money out of them, if you know what I mean? Yeah. So all I did was make money to be able to produce new things. I never, I was never taking any money, still had a job. It was all just like a, a hobby. But I wanted to, people were asking to buy stuff. So I thought, well, I might as well sell it. But it was never a business decision to look at the margins and go, stickers are actually really good margin but a really low price price point i need to sell thousands of these to make any decent money or do i sell a jumper or a hoodie or whatever that's a, a smaller margin but a l- much bigger price point that never went through my head because i was never that way business inclined it was just a hobby what i find quite interesting is then from the start of slammed uk and Gravity, if you could say that is the show's part of the business. Mm-hmm. Both of them were there from the start then. They kind of grew together. You've got the people on yeah. the right and the way to monetize them on the left a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you carried on growing that out. So where did it go from then? What did the next few years look like? So it was, we then booked our first show, which was Incarnation in Brighton, which a lot, which is still going today. I haven't been back for probably eight years. I should probably go back and check it out. But that was our first thing. I bought a three by three meter gazebo on my Logo printed on the top with a little London background design on it. It was awful, but I thought it was really cool. Ten years ago, I thought it was sick. So that's what we did. Got the T-shirts. You still got the gazebo? No. Ah, oh, got that up in no, the show. I've had about six more since then. So I probably <laughs> that would be cool to still have it. But and then we thought of the the slogan we went with for our first designs was the lower it, love it, live it slogan that we still sometimes use today. And that a lot of people will recognize as sort of our slogan, if you like, because I don't know why or how we thought of it. I can't remember, but I just thought, what are people going to buy? What are we doing? What's to do with cars? 
And it was really not like fashionable stuff. It was like a black jumper with a teal print or a pink print or whatever it was. I guess 10 years ago, kind of what's the fashion, wasn't it? Like, and what was the journey from selling the first stickers in the car park to you quitting your job mm-hmm. and going full time with basically selling car merchandise and organizing events? Yeah. So I quit my job before we started the gravity side of things. Um, so I was selling stuff every weekend and my job at this point, I was a field marketer for, uh, Molson Coors, which are, they brew Corona, Coors Light, Cobra, Carling. So I was a field marketer there. So I left John Lewis and went there because they said they'd give me a company car. And I thought that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. That's why I had the cash car. That was the company car. Um, so I did that for about a year of doing that and running Slam UK. And then I was really not really going to work. I was putting everything and all my time into Slam UK. So I'd go to work for like an hour and then I'd come home, pretend I was working. And then I started getting audited. I was quite a good friend of my line manager and he knew what I was doing on the side. And then he called me one day and said, we've audited you like all of last week. You didn't do any work. Like you're going to get fired tomorrow. So I'm going to write you your notice. So you need to quit right now. Otherwise, they're going to make you drive to Sheffield, take your car off you, fire you, and make you get a train home. But if you hand in your notice now, you won't have to do that, and you get two weeks. I said, done. Let's do that. So he wrote it. I signed it, sent it back. Within like half an hour, the decision was made. And then I started thinking, right, I've got two weeks to sort my life out. How am I going to get Slam UK to make me enough money to pay my rent? And how am I going to take it to the next level to be a big brand in the car world? And I need a vehicle. So I got a van, the Black Transit, that I sold two months ago. I have had it for a long time. Um, and yeah, that was that was pretty much it. That kind of pushed me over the line to go full time. Yeah. So is that when you then thought, right, I've got to do a business plan. I've got to figure out what I'm doing here. What makes the money? No. No? No. There was no business plan. There was no cash flow forecast there was no budgeting is that was, just simply because you didn't know you just rolling with that yeah so I that, had no sole idea focus was can I make money to live yeah I had no idea what I was doing there was no business acumen behind it it was people are buying stickers people are buying t-shirts people are buying jumpers how do I make them buy more how do I make the website better how do I release more lines do photo shoots find some models to wear the stuff go to more events make money at more events it was all like how do I how do I sell this stuff as opposed to actual financial business planning? Because that was not even on my radar at that point. It was literally, how do I, how do I make money now? Because my job's gone. You know what I mean? So does that mean you've always enjoyed problem solving? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I've always been pretty good at, at problem solving. And you know, you do those tests in school where they give you the thing and you've got to solve the puzzles. And I was always quite good at that. I was never really good at writing. I was always quite good at problem solving and maths and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's probably a, a good. Because if people can get anything out of this, it's amazing to sit opposite someone that's just like, no, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. I've never done a business. Never really listened in school. Didn't know business. Just got fired from my last job. And we're kind of selling stickers in car parks. And yo, I just turned it into a business. My Lambo's outside. And yeah, it's like, I mean, wow, what a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a sentence, that is ultimately what has happened. Yeah, but it's obviously taken ten years. Through lows and highs. Through lows, loads of lows, majority lows probably. And then obviously the highs of you getting to work for yourself, go to car shows, hang with your mates. But it was a lot of like, I don't have a cool car. I can barely afford to live. How do I sell stuff? If no one buys a sticker, I'm in trouble. So it was really high stress for what still is to be fair. So take me back three years then. What did the business look like then? When was your first, say, proper event that you put on that you put a lot of time into and focused? And then what on the other side of that did your your clothing brand and slammed? What, what were the two like in terms of also, not necessarily numbers, but revenue? Were they fairly equal? Is one overtaking the other? What's it look like? So we started our first Gravity Show in 2016 and I quit my job in 2015. So it was not far after but Gravity was started because I was attending so many events and realizing all these events are really poorly marketed on social media. The flyers are all really not great. Um, and the organization of a lot of the events really wasn't great either. Like you turn up as a trader, which I was, 
They wouldn't know where you were. You're just driven four hours. You're asking to where your trade pitch is. They're like, I don't know. Don't know who you are. Why are you here? And it was really frustrating to the point I thought, I'm just going to start my own event and make it as organized as possible from, a, from an exhibitor point of view and from an attendee point of view. That's when I started to put together things like a business plan and think, right, if I'm going to do an event, I need this much money. I need a venue and I need to market it correctly and think of a name and do all that kind of stuff. So that's then how Gravity started in 2016. Um, and that was my first ever time organizing anything big and serious as opposed to a car park meet, which we've done. And, al- and alongside that, okay, you've got your clothing brand yep. and slammed. How is that being run and operated? Are you drop shipping? Are you got physical goods? Where Physical goods. So my, my little maisonette that I was living in at the time, a little two up, two down, tiny thing was full from floor to ceiling with boxes of stuff. And to a point, my, sometimes the house still is, because I've always worked from home. I've always used home as my base. I've never had an office or a unit or anything like that. Overheads, nil. Overheads, I'm really hot, really hot on minimal overheads. Um, so yeah, it was all kind of from the house, in my bedroom, in the front room, packing orders, all the packaging, all the stock, a printer and my laptop. That's it. That's kind of how just make it work make it work doesn't matter if the house is a mess doesn't matter if there's boxes everywhere you gotta make money and you gotta sell stuff and you gotta make sure there's a good event happening keep the brand strong and whilst at the same time making sure your social media your instagram your everything is consistent daily like good content which is something we've been really strong on for 10 years since we started the instagram which is why we've got a reasonable following now is reasonable following. I think that reasonable following is 166 K. Yeah. Slammed is now on. You're yeah. on over 20 K. That's a hell of a brand to build. Yeah. See, I, I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's not good enough. I think as, as strong as the brand is and as big as the brand is in the car world, where a lot of people know about it, I don't think the socials reflect how big the brand actually is in my eyes. So I think it's not good enough, which is what I give myself a yeah, hard time you can about. Yeah, you can go down the M40 in a car and drive past you with a gravity sticker stuck to it. Yeah, yeah, which happens quite a lot. So why did you decide to call Gravity Gravity and not Slammed? Because I wanted to make sure that I had two separate entities. So if anything ever happened to one of them, I had the other one to fall back on, if you like. If I started Gravity and it went really badly... And it didn't work. I didn't want that associated with the Slam UK brand that was really strong. And vice versa, if Slam UK started going really badly, I wouldn't want that to reflect on the event. So I wanted to always make sure there was two separate entities. And as of now, are both those brands 50-50 in terms of what they do? Or does the show outweigh? From a revenue point of view? Yeah. No, it's probably 80-20 on gravity side. Wow. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. So I can see why you put so much effort into that and it's so much stress. Yeah. And But turnover vanity, profit, sanity and cash is king, right? Like, sure. There's, there's still obviously a market for doing what you do with the fashion and the clothing and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it's very, very difficult because it's just myself and my other half, Beth, running everything from operations to finances to marketing to social media to forecasting, business management, everything. It's really difficult to try and keep them both at a level. One always gets a bit more attention or a bit more uh, time and effort spent on it, which obviously that's where we focus our time and effort onto the onto the business that is generating the most revenue. But Slam UK could probably grow as big, but I would need more staff, more which time, just done. more people. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we're about to take on Dom uh, to help out with gravity. Um, so that will give us a little bit more time to focus on Slam UK, the clothing collections, the launching of new collections regularly, which is something we were trying to do this year, but has kind of taken a bit of a backseat. Um, so yeah, we're slowly expanding. Um, I've got, I've just taken on Oscar as well, who's part of our media team. Who's it's not just you and the business anymore. Look, there's a team building now. You got over. Yeah, which has only happened in the last three months. And that's how long again since starting the business? Ten years. Amazing, isn't it? Because people tend to run before they can walk, but it's taken you 10 years to get your first, basically, staff away first. from you. And, yeah. Because how long have you and Beth been together? How long have Beth been Six years. But she's only out. been doing gravity properly since COVID. 
because she lost her job and gravity was starting to really take off when we came coming out of COVID. So Beth started working for gravity. I didn't actually notice in the year of COVID, obviously there shouldn't, there wouldn't have been no event. No. So when I was talking about the highs and lows. Oh, crikey. Yeah. So, so if, you, if you, if you can't do something that we couldn't do the show in the revenue. Yeah. So we couldn't do gravity, but I was still contracted to pay for gravity, the venue, the costs, everything. Force majeure clauses out the window. Nothing was in there for uh, COVID and epidemics and pandemics. So, and I think a lot of people with weddings and stuff had a similar thing, but I think a little bit different. For some reason, my venue weren't having any of it and I still had to pay the full amount to do gravity and not do the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Whilst at the same time having no revenue. So that was... Stress. Stress. Got rent to pay, got, wanted the event to succeed and wanted it to carry on. It was a real up and down moment of, is this going to carry on? How are we going to get through this? But like you say, problem solving, straight to the drawing board. What are we going to do? Because if you can get income coming in for the next event, right? Yeah. In advance. Yeah. But then with the COVID and the setbacks and the setbacks and the setbacks, there was no... When you could do it. When can I do gravity again? Could be five years. I don't know. Could be six months. Could be five years. Nobody knew. So it was really, really difficult. So then we put our, our full focus onto Slams UK. I thought you were going to say that. Because online sales could still do it for a start. So that's when I scrapped the WooCommerce website, learned how to build a Shopify website, built it all myself, relaunched the whole brand, new logos, new merch, new really cool accessories, started branching out. And I thought, how can we make this become what Gravity was like on the trajectory to do? So that's how we kind of got through COVID was focusing everything on Slam UK because we couldn't do gravity. And that still sold even through that time? Yeah. Yeah, the website sales went we probably had a thousand percent increase. So if you didn't have we had a similar thing in my previous business, but if you didn't have then slammed, mm-hmm. would your whole business thing still exist? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have let it fail. I would have gone and got a job. And then through COVID. And got it back going. Yeah. I would have done anything, didn't I? I would never just be like, right, well, I just can't do it again anymore. Because gravity was my, what I was feeling to be my, I don't know, calling, if you like. Not religious or anything, but I was really enjoying it. Really enjoying organizing and doing the operations. And I'd never done anything like that before. And I didn't realize that I was pretty good at it. So for me, I was never going to let that fail. Even though... It was a real low. We, had, we really had to go get through COVID and do all that kind of stuff. I was really looking forward to coming out of COVID and thinking, how's the event going to go? I know my numbers pre-COVID. When we come out of COVID, there's going to be some sort of bounce back for events. There's got to be, like there was. The same for hospitality and whatever else. So if Slam GK didn't do that, which I didn't think was an option at the time, didn't even cross my mind. I just thought, right, this is going to work. This is what I'm going to do. We can't fail. I'm going to make everything amazing, which you did. And it went quite well. And is that because you sacrifice a lot of other stuff to do this? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really do anything really. I had the R8 at the time, but there was no, there wasn't really anything else. But I forgot to, forgot to mention before the R8. So going through Slam GK, starting getting the van. One of the other lows was driving the van for six years 
nothing else, just a transit, going to all the shows, being Slams UK, being getting really well known, all the lower it, love it merch and all this kind of stuff and being asked 500 times at every event, where's your car? Where's your show car? What are you driving? I'm like, the van, mate. They're like, why? I'm like, well, because that's what I need to do the business and I can't afford a car. So just a van, which is fine. Like I love the van. The van was my like baby. I love that thing so much. That's why I only sold it two months ago because that was, I loved it. And that got me through everything because without the van, I couldn't have started anything. So for me, I had a real connection to the van. So when it went, it was quite, quite emotional saying, saying goodbye. You're feel emotional about this old boy now. Yeah, I haven't even had it long. Yeah, don't get rid of it. <laughs> the conversations that are laughing in here. We've had <laughs> yeah. porn stars in here, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you were being asked like 500 times whether you had a car or not. Yeah. So then you eventually got this slammed R8. Yeah. So it was a toss up between a GTR and an R8. I was looking at what I can afford at the time with how things were going. It was about 35 grand of what we could do. Um, so the R8 was the choice. It was R8 or GTR. So I was on the forums for hours and hours on end. What's wrong with this? How much is this? But yeah, the R8 has been a really good marketing tool for us since since we got it so yeah the r8 has been how long have i had it now five years um so yeah it was a good and was, you couldn't bring yourself to get rid of it when you did the like nah she's nah. keeper yeah i've got to keep it it's my first ever nice car because before the r8 and before the van i had uh in between cars i had a 500 pound mx5 and that was one of my favorite cars ever anyone that knows me knows i love mx5s so much and i will buy another one at some point but that so I had a 500 pound MX5 and then I had the R8 and that was my the R8 is my first ever like really nice car. Do you know what I'm find really interesting about this conversation so far is 100%. I've heard comments in the car world and a lot of it will be backed by jealousy 100%. But you hear them, which is oh, well, George's only ever interested in the money. He's only ever interested in the money in the events. I have heard that. Mm-hmm. And for the, from a business perspective, I like when I've heard it, I've gone. Can't provide the events if you don't make any money. If you've if you've got a business, I think you look at it that way. Yep. Um, it seems like you've been quite upfront and honest throughout this conversation. It's like, well, you know, I had rent to pay, I had this to do. Like, and it's been really interesting to hear like how long you were trading from that van just to be able to run a business, to be able to pay the rent yep. and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um and it's also so you can put money back into the business and grow it and do new things and release new collections and all that kind of stuff is is really difficult when you obviously when you start from nothing to grow something and keep it going and cover your life costs at the same time that's where the whole money side of things comes in but ultimately i wanted to create a really cool good brand and the same with the event the only thing i wanted to do was create a really cool event was organized well marketed well and everybody came and had a good time and enjoyed it and it was full of the best cars the best people the best businesses and brands it's not how can I make money? Let's start a car show. It was very much, because who knows that a car show makes money? Like that's, that's not a thing. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm going to do crypto because it makes loads of money. It was, it was oh, I'm going to start a car show because I've been to thousands and they're not run very well or marketed very well. And I think I can Stuff starts to drop off cool. as well, doesn't it? I'll yeah. happily say on this podcast, the only ones that I, I really went to because I've never really been involved in modified car scene at all. Uh-huh. And... I think people may know that I've got a 911 that's now slammed on BBS wheels because of when we went Very away, cool. which seems like yesterday when we went away. Yeah. And as of sitting here now, it's no longer on those wheels or anything because I just I just couldn't stand driving it and I'd done it all wrong. It was yeah. on the wrong air. It was on the wrong... And I'm just like, F this. It's yeah, fucking, yeah. This is how it's going. Yeah, yeah. So that is my slammed experience. But I have actually come genuinely to learn to love to appreciate them. And I had no idea why people went to these events. I genuinely mm-hmm. didn't. I love OEM cars. Yep. I've been to, um, you know, the, what's the big one? That Geneva. Geneva, Geneva Motor, Motor Show. Yeah. I've been out to there. I've done all this super pleasure, I suppose, because I'm lucky enough to be in that position. I've done the supercar driver stuff and tours yep. and like OEM dealer events. And I was like, the boys literally dragged me along on Zach's rally to, uh-huh. the, to the GRA International. I was like, yeah. lads, I'm going to walk around once. I'm going to not get any of it. I'm just be like, why have they got a loophole on bags? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is honestly, I was being a, an arrogant dick, really. And I had on that event 
probably one of the best weekends of my life. Talking yeah. about the sausage dog tattooed on my ankle. You did. We're drinking for the whole thing. We met you guys. We met so many people. Yeah. And that is, I, I come back and I, I wanted to do it to my own car. Sure, and I, it's not even about the car. I've, I've actually not really enjoyed the car that yeah, much. No, it yeah. snapped its torsion bar twice. And yeah. I'm like, whoa, but I, I now get it. Yeah. I get what this is about. I get why you do it and I get where you want to go with it. And it's, yeah. it's only by going and doing it that I understood stood it. And one that I had been to for a few years was actually the NEC, mm-hmm. you know, the one, in, the one in January. Autosport. And that has gone off a cliff mm-hmm. last year's. And I think last, well, this year's one, or the last one I went, I just thought, I'm not bothering this again. Yeah. So is now, is this where you're moving in? Yeah. So we've, as, like you say, as well as the cars, the, the event, sorry, being about the cars, it's also very much about the people and about who you meet. It's a big social thing. It's not just about looking at the cars. Like you say, anyone can come to a car show and have a great time with their mates, meet new people, have a few drinks. Like It's very much about the, the people as well as the cars. But Autosport, I think, have really lost their way with where they were going with the event. Um, I've not been for two years, but I did go the two previous years. We actually had a stand um, as Slammed UK and when we were first sort of promoting Gravity and really pushing hard with, with Gravity. Um, but yeah, for me, my aim is to grow gravity into the, one of the biggest modified and supercar events in the world. That's, that's my aim as well as everything else, but that's, that's the ultimate goal and to create an event that everybody loves families, older guys, kids, because we, we get everything at gravity because it's a all marks show. You will get restored classics. You'll get Porsches on BBSs. You'll get Lambos. You'll get race cars and drift cars and lifted trucks and bikes and you'll get everything. And I don't think there's many events where you can go and find something you love as well as everything else. It's all very like VW or JDM or classic or supercar. It's all these little niches. So my aim is to bring all the niches together as well as all the people, put on a really well organized, great event and everyone, everyone have a great time. That's and how That's hard is it to put on a really well-organized, great event? Hard. As, as a lot of people will know, last year was really difficult. We did everything we could to make an event as well-organized as possible. Um, and it was really, really difficult because we were let down by the venue on a lot of points. We ourselves mismanaged a lot of points. So it does become very, very difficult, especially when you grow to a huge number of people. Pre-COVID, we were at 4,000 people. A lot of people, reasonably easy to manage 4,000 people. We then came out of COVID, first event out, we had 12,000 people. So straight away, we were triple the size of, of when we'd ever been. And that was busy. And working with our venue at the time, they weren't used to that amount of people. So there was queues for drinks. There was that kind of stuff. The parking wasn't great. And that was in September 21, I think. We'd just come out of COVID. Yeah. And we're usually in July, but that was when we that was when events were allowed to happen again. So we ran it. We did it. First ever live action at our show. And like I say, the numbers tripled. So that was hard. And then Stoney found that really difficult, our venue at the time. And then last year, we grew from 12,000 to 24,000. We doubled again. That then was even more difficult because we were massively let down by the venue with things like catering and security and parking. Because I'm giving them weekly updates of how many people are coming, having meetings with the catering managers, the security staff, the, the parking stewards. This amount of people are coming. Do you have enough staff? Yeah, because you know how many people are coming. So you know the tickets you Yeah. So, I'm- so they, do they set you a target though or a limit? Yeah. So, that, so they set us a limit. We didn't oversell that limit. They said... So you did, you did not oversell the limit? No. No. We, we can't oversell the limit because our insurances wouldn't allow it. Stoney wouldn't allow it. We were well, in, well within the limit of what we were set by Stoney of what they could manage, mainly from a car parking and health and safety capacity. And what do you reckon that limit should have been? Probably f- 15,000. You think there was 9,000 people there that... That Stoney couldn't manage. There was three security guys to manage all the halls that weren't security guys. They were just old geezers in high visits. They were running at us all weekend. This has happened. This has happened. What do I do? And we're thinking, well, 
myself and the Gravity team, who are amazing, an amazing team of basically my friends, we're not secure. We're not trained security. I don't know what really what to do if this is happening or that's happening or there's a lost child or we obviously have policies in that within our health and safety, but our expectation is if a venue has security, that is their job. If a venue has catering, that is their job. I didn't book the catering, the vans, nothing. If I did it, it would have been fine because I would have done it for the amount of people that were coming. But it's very difficult from us when we're working with a venue and you're telling them the numbers and they're saying, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, we've got that covered. There's 20,000 people coming. Absolutely fine. We can manage that. And then they don't. But ultimately, as the organiser of the event, falls on our heads, which is so would you part say that was your worst the business. Year? It was our best year and our worst year. Best year because 99% of people had an amazing time. Um, but 1% of people had a really bad time queues, no water, whatever it was. That was really difficult to manage from our point of view when we don't have control over that. That's what was difficult. So was did you know then, say the week after that event or at that event, I'm not doing it here again? Yeah. I knew the morning after, the Monday morning, when I'm on social media seeing things kicking off. This happened, the queue for water. This How do you mentally deal with that? Are you worrying? Are you thinking, shit? Yeah, of course. The yeah. 1% allowed. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the issue. Same with any business, any brand. 99% of people had a great time and always come back, but, the one, but they won't say that all over social media. They'll go home, say to their wife, that was great. Should we go again next year? But the 1% are on TikTok and Instagram and stuff sharing their opinions. Absolutely fine. But that's when it becomes difficult to process, when, especially when you didn't have control over it. You know what I mean? How do you stop yourself from getting mad? Are you quite good at being quite level-headed and chilling? Yeah, and thinking yeah I'm generally a very level-headed person, but it is difficult when they're saying certain things about your life's work, because essentially that's what it is. It's like a child, isn't it? It's really, yeah, it's really difficult. Like that's, that's, that's my baby, that's my child, that's my life's work. And some of you had a really bad time. And for me, that's really upsetting and difficult because I don't want anyone to have a bad time at my events. That's not the point of doing an event. So that ultimately, that morning when I'm scrolling, that's it. I'm not, not coming here again. And I had meeting after meeting after meeting with Stonely and they're deflecting. It's not, it wasn't us, whatever, whatever. But ultimately, I just said to them, I'm not, not coming back. And within a week, I was having a meeting with the NEC because they already knew about the event. I think they already knew about the size of the event. And they're like, we can deal with this. We do this every day. See, this, this is a question that I had because there'll be, Loads of people thinking, I wonder how the hell you get to book an event at the NEC. Because the NEC is the most recognised expo place in the UK. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. And I guess if you're taking it back to the kid in the car park day, selling stickers for his car, even 800 car meet event, yeah. and you ring up and you're like, yo, I want to organise a car event at the NEC. Like, who do I speak to? Yeah. They're going to go, all right, mate, cool. So how does that happen? So I already knew one of the account managers and the sales people at the NEC. So literally sent an email. Can we jump on a call? Um, really thinking about bringing Gravity to the NEC. And their instant reaction was, we would love to have Gravity at the NEC. It's a different event for us. We'd love nothing more than to host you here. Let's jump on a call. Um, and I was actually in Barcelona at another event at the Drip Show that a friend of mine, Isaac, runs the week after Gravity. We went straight there to support him in that event. And while we were there in the hotel, I had the Zoom call and it was kind of decided there and then these are the dates we, you can have. And it's coming up, isn't it? Let's what do is it. it, a month? Seven weeks. 26th, 27th of August. Do you look at the calendar every morning? Yeah. Every morning. You're on yeah, schedule? I know. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. There's obviously, there's always things to do. There's always stuff to happen, but now is the real And what's run that up. increase? You mentioned you went from, say, or what should have been 15,000, 24,000 at yep. the last event, which is an increment from the last one. What are you looking at for this next one? We're expecting 30,000, which is a reasonable increase. We think it's conservative, but manageable, especially at the NEC. The NEC are completely versed in running these kind of events. 30,000 people, sweet. 
So apart from stuff booked in your diary, do you know what, when you wake up in the morning, you've got to do? Or do you just try and find the problems that you've got that day or the things that you're still outstanding and fix them? And then also you've got a flipping clothing brand and an online store. So what does the day look like? So I have a giant to-do list on my phone, on my notes every day. And even thinking about things day to day, I'll be walking around writing, I need to do that, I need to do that. Or I'll see someone and think I need to invite them or, or I'll see a business on Instagram. Don't forget to call them tomorrow. Um, so it's basically working through my to-do list. Orders we process twice a week for the clothing brand. Um, it is that's a, quite a good way of doing it. Yeah, oh. that's that's kind of what we do. So we process orders twice a week in the morning and then that's that's how we process the orders. It's the designing and future planning of collections and, and different merchandise and accessories that sometimes has to take a back seat, especially this time of year when we're seven weeks out from gravity. That's got to take priority. And now is the time where my to-do list is huge because it's, it's everything from ordering wristbands to booking insurance, to speaking to sponsors, to going on road trips, to booking events, um, to have meetings of the NEC weekly with their parking people, their security, their marketing, their catering, my event manager, my account manager, sales manager. It's a whole different kettle of fish with the NEC as opposed to the previous venue. And it gives you good vibes. Yeah. Massively, straight away, good vibes. And I know I've had more meetings with the NEC in the last month than I had with Stoney in four years. And we said off camera, it's costing you more money and that increase isn't the same as, say, the increase in people that's going. Correct. But after understanding how stressful it can be when it goes wrong, yeah, it means the world, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm way more concentrated on creating a good event where potentially nothing goes wrong or minimal. Something's always going to go wrong, but... Minimal. Like I know, for example, the NEC, there is going to be no parking issues, no security issues, and no catering issues straight away. And that was the main issues from last year. That was one of the main reasons for the move to the NEC is they're completely built for these kind of events. So does that mean that that now gives you the platform to scale your business to be what we went out to, GRA, yep. there was people coming from all over yep. to come to that. People come all over to the one that you've got. But yes, how do you now scale your business with them? By making sure the event is the as good as it can be. The best event anyone's ever been to, from the cars that are there to the people that are there, the brands, the businesses, the food. What sort of numbers of people go to, say, the biggest modified car shows in the world? SEMA. 200,000. The Essen Motor Show, which is probably the same, probably more, over five, six days or however many it might be. Um, I suppose there's a lot of footfall on one bit of island on some of those shows as well, especially when you're in Europe, you've got people that can come from all over. We are on our own little island. Yeah, it is more difficult, especially when talking to you. We've got 50 or 60 Europeans coming over this year with their cars because the Europeans build some of the coolest cars in Europe obviously. Um, so that's a little bit more difficult because they've got to get the train or the ferry or whatever they've got to do. Um, but from a scaling point of view, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of growth because we're, we're at 25,000, 30,000 people. Can a car show be in the UK? I think we can get to 200,000 people, 300,000 people. You think Goodwood Festival of Speed, which is next week, that's probably at 100, hunt between 100 and 150,000 people, I think, over four days, somewhere around that region. Do you think you can exceed Goodwood Festival of Speed? Yeah. Whether that takes three years or 20 years, who knows? It will be a different audience, granted, because Goodwood's very mainstream. Obviously, they've got the hill climb. They've got all the Formula One. (laughs) Yeah, OEM, exactly. But I think there's a market there. There's more and more modified businesses and cars going to Goodwood Festival of Speed, for example. So I think they're trying to tap into the modified market in the same way that I'm trying to tap into the, not the mainstream, but the manufacturers, as you like, um, like BMW and Koenigsegg and whoever else. There's Goodwood has that, but they don't really have the modified world. But it's we'll see. Is the probably the you welcome competition? Yeah, or are you quite close with the other car shows, your players, your whatever in the UK. Mm-hmm. How competitive are you? those guys and do you see it as competitional difference because like you sat down with Christian Von Koenigsegg I asked him this myself to be fair and said oh you know would you say your closest competitors Pagani 
he just went, no, because our customers have a Pagani and a Koenigsegg. And it's mm-hmm. like, right, okay, yeah, fair. I, I get it. So what does that look like from your perspective? It's similar, to be fair, because our customers don't just go to one car show. They might go to six or 10 or four. So my aim is just to make sure one of those is gravity, which I think we're very on the way to, to getting to that. But a welcome competition, I don't think there's a huge amount of competition in what we're trying to create. There's a lot of really good events that are quite happy just being them, doing their own event, being very similar or the same all year round, every year. That's just what they do, which is fine. But that's not what I want to do or what we want to try and create with Gravity. We want to try and grow and scale rapidly to be the best modified car event in Europe, the world, the UK, whichever one comes first. Which I have no doubt that you're going to do from speaking to you. So thank you, mate. Appreciate it. I want it. to say thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Very welcome. That's Thanks for amazing insight. And I think you are basically living proof that anybody that's out there sat in a car park at night thinking what's the next step, even looking at their modified car after a few steps and thinking about selling stickers should go and make a start. 100% and a lot of people do. So yeah, definitely go and do it. Cheers, Jordan. No worries, man. Thank you very cool. much. Thank you. Sick. Good. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.